And we are live with another episode of Social Convos. It's Tuesday, 9 p.m. in Suriname. And my co-host is frozen, so I'm taking over his role. <laughs> Anyways, welcome back, Can you come uh, now? Yeah, you're yeah. good. <laughs> Sorry for the delay, guys. A few technical issues today, but we're all sorted now and we're live to go. Anything okay. to add before we kick it yeah, off? I yeah, I like to add that actually the three minutes late, that's kind of my fault. So the apologies are all mine. I was joking around today that I was going to tell my guests like, hi, I'm Shaluk, the guy who always makes Diego stress some last minute, some last minute. Well, not bad intentions, but I do let him stress occasionally. So the fault is, it's all my fault and the technical difficulties as well. But I guess, Diego, let's let's just jump into the show and introduce our guests for tonight. Yeah, so to kick it off, um, tonight we have someone all the way from the UK. First of all, we appreciate the UK guests from staying up so late. Uh, I mean, the European guests in general. But joining us tonight is Abhishek Kumar, and he's going to talk to us more about uh, a bit about TikTok, some social media strategies, and basically how he kind of growth hacked his TikTok and how he's applying that to, I guess, other areas in his online career. His, he also is the host of the Steal My Marketing podcast. And to learn more a bit about him, I'm bringing him up now. Abhishek, welcome to Social Convos. Hey, man. Good to join you here. Super excited for today. Yeah, so you've seen how it usually goes backstage. Um, as all things go with live productions, but this is things we have to deal with and we improvise. Anyways, welcome. And first of all, thanks for staying up and thanks for hopping out of the session because Shanduk knows, so we're in a fellowship right now on podcasting. So podcasting on podcasting. And we were actually in a workshop a few minutes ago before going online. So we hopped out earlier just to prep a bit to get on here. So appreciate that. And that shows how committed you are as well as host and now actually as guests. To start it off, how is it to be on the other side of the mic today? Oh, this is probably my second time recording a podcast, but the first time we did it, it's a friend of mine called Rishi from London, and he did not end up like starting a podcast at all. He recorded a few episodes and then he was like, yeah, maybe I should postpone it for a few months. So again, and this is of course my first live session. So a bit of nervous. Uh, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's, it's going to be exciting. Okay. So, but, but you yourself are a podcaster. We can, we can call you that, right? Yep. You can. Yes. Yes. So, and how did you, how did you get into podcast or what made you, what got you excited about podcasting? Yeah. So going back to, to the beginning of my journey, back in March of 2020, I started this TikTok account where I started posting videos of entrepreneurs that I liked. So those were like Mark Cuban, Mark Zuckerberg and Sam Powell from The Hustle, all these people who had done a bunch of things in their entrepreneurial life. And those were sharing lessons in all these conferences. And that account blew up to about more than 120K followers. And over time, people started asking me if I had a podcast or a YouTube show. When I started the TikTok channel, I did not have any idea that it would morph into what it is now. But 
once people started asking me, I was thinking about branching out of TikTok as well. And I realized that the following that I have gives me the advantage of reaching out to some of the most famous intellectual people out there and putting myself out there and getting them as a guest on my podcast. The only reason why I do it is because it gives me access to the people who would not give me five minutes of their time. I interviewed Rustin Arred in my previous episode. He's the founder of Lambda School, one of the biggest schools in the US. And he is some of the most famous entrepreneurs on Twitter. He has 150K followers. He's from Y Combinator. Paul Graham is his mentor. Like he's super, super famous and extremely intelligent. If I asked him for a coffee, like there is no chance I would get get a time with him. But just because I have a podcast, I could have him for one hour. So that's my secret of podcasting. <laughs> well, of course, you you first need to have the the, the following to be interesting enough for for them. So, but I, I there's so many questions we want to jump into. But the first one is is the name steal my marketing. I mean, it, it came from somewhere. The idea came from somewhere that you decided, which is good, which I really like, to not just tell wisdom of, or bring wisdom out there, but kind of like give the opportunity for wisdom that you know of, that you yourself personally like and you think is beneficial for others to put it out there. So so how did the steal, steal Your Marketing come about? Right. Yeah. I guess there is this very interesting conversation going all over the internet of building an audience. And the common thread you see is you can only build an audience if you provide value. And for most of us, the answer is if I don't know much about entrepreneurship, how do I provide value? Like Mark Cuban can provide value because he sold broadcast.com for $5 billion. But I'm not a multi-millionaire or a billionaire. Like how can I provide value? And the thing I realized is that we are living in this age where there is infinite information out there. There is so much content being produced. There are a thousand good newsletters on Substack, 10,000 great YouTube channels, Clubhouse conversations, Twitter threads, all these things. And so we are entering an age where the role, where the role of curators will be huge. People who can filter great content and put it out there for people so that instead of you going through a hundred articles to choose what are the three best, I can just subscribe to your newsletter and get the three best articles of the past week in my inbox. And this is the same with my TikTok account as well. Like if Mark Zuckerberg was giving a three hour long interview, most people don't have time to watch a three hour long interview. You certainly don't have time to watch a three hour interview every single day of your life. And so I do that for you. And I convert that three-hour interview into a two to five-minute clip that is easily digestible. And then he post it on TikTok. Now, I'm not providing, like, I'm not creating value out of thin air. I don't have my own knowledge, but I'm saving your time. You, instead of going through three, five, ten hours every single week, you can just follow my account, go through that two-minute clip and say, ah, oh, this was one of the best parts of that interview. So, okay, I get it. I can move on to the next one. And this is true for newsletters. This is true for people who are doing great Twitter threads. This is true for great Clubhouse conversations. Like you see a lot of people right now writing Twitter threads on Clubhouse conversation. It is time. Everybody is out there trying to save time of others. So if you have time, you can listen to a two-hour conversation. If you don't, you can maybe follow a curator. And I guess I'm that... So you mentioned a uh, pretty interesting there. Curation is like kind of kind of shaped up to be a kind of new role in this multimedia interconnected world. So what would you consider or what's your thought process on choosing what to curate? 
what's the process behind that? What do you define as good and would be valuable to others? Yep, I'll give give an example of a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Dickie Bush, and he has this newsletter called Dickie's Digest. He started writing that in the beginning of 2020, maybe around January 5th of 2020, was his first sort of newsletter out there. And he sent it to five of his friends. And what he did was he was reading a lot about growth tactics, listening to a lot of podcasts about growth. And what he did was he was listening to say 10 interviews every single week, or maybe five newsletters every single week. He would curate those links. These are the three best podcast interviews that I did in the past uh, that I listened to in the past week. These are the five best articles I read in the past week. He started with five subscribers. When I interviewed him about four or five months back, he had around 2,000 subscribers and around 9,000, uh, sorry, 2,000 Twitter followers. And in the past around, say, three or four months, he has grown from 2,000 Twitter followers to 9,000 Twitter followers. And he did exactly that. He was interested in certain stuff that he was consuming all about growth and hacks and all these things. He started curating that. In my case, it was this general idea of, so I started with a very broad thing on TikTok and it, and my TikTok account is still broad. It's more like the story of people who started it. If there, were, if there was a quick hack, if there was something interesting that they did, those are the clips I do find. On Twitter, it's a little bit of a different story where I did start broad with sharing all the stuff, but you might have heard of this idea of finding your voice by doing it. Like you don't find your voice by sitting on a couch. You find your voice by putting your ideas out there and some ideas start resonating with you. In my case, what I consistently feel is that I am fascinated by this idea of shadow powers and what shadow powers are, are people working around the most powerful people in the world. Nobody knows who they are. They are not media famous, but they are super, super powerful and Diego, you know, Sachit Gupta, who is the program director of the On Deck Podcasting Fellowship, he was a shadow power. He worked for Andrew Warner, who has interviewed a thousand entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley. If you get to know Sachit Gupta, you get a direct link to Andrew Warner, which in turn gives you a direct link to a thousand entrepreneurs out there. And this is the idea that I keep on coming across with all these like articles that I read. And I recently subscribed to every .2 newsletter because of that, because there are so many articles that teach you about networking with all these people, because it's networking is it's, it's either you alone sitting in your home and you don't know anybody, or it's about how can you email Mark Cuban, but nobody is talking about how can you email Mark Cuban's assistant, be friends with that person and then go to Mark Cuban that's a three month long process, but it's still better than trying to directly email Mark Cuban. It could backfire as well, but, but that's another, that's, that's a story time story. Go ahead, Diego. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly the workshop. It's, it's funny that we're talking about this. And last week it was kind of that way too. I jumped out of the fireside chat and we happened to talk about a topic they were just mentioning. So it's kind of funny for me to see how meta these conversations get from 30 minutes ago to actually the interview. So that's quite interesting. And I guess bringing it back to shortly on TikTok, why do you think it worked for you that your TikTok blew up? Because this is kind of a format that's pretty common on Instagram as well, for example. But why do you specifically think that it blew up on TikTok and not anywhere else? 
Yeah, so David Perel talks about this idea of a jet stream going through crossing the Atlantic and it uses certain wind currents like when the wind currents are in favor you don't have to use a lot of fuel to cross the Atlantic Ocean and with TikTok it was exactly that like if you start a YouTube channel today or if you start an Instagram page today it is extremely difficult to grow those pages because there are so many people like all of your friends are posting on Instagram and all of them are consuming content so it's more like 1 billion people are regularly posting on Instagram but how many of your friends do you know have an account on TikTok but are not posting anything there because there is still this social stigma that TikTok is for kids and young boys who are dancing and singing and so but TikTok has about a billion users so it is obvious that the number of users that are out there and the number of creators that are out there there is a huge difference in that number and for tiktok as a platform it needs content creators so when you have few content creators and a lot number of people consuming content it is natural that it will push your content to a huge number of people and so that effect is higher and again the other thing was the the unique the how unique the content was because most of the people on tiktok they were like dancing singing creating all these funny videos and i was out there posting the most serious stuff on entrepreneurship and with 1 billion users you can be sure that there are people out there there are hundreds of thousands of people out there who are interested in that content they just haven't found it on that particular platform and so people started following following it and i would get a lot of comments and a lot of like emails that this is the most unique page on tiktok because nobody is doing it and right now i like i know a few pages that do motivational stuff and all those things but still today i haven't found a lot of pages that do pure entrepreneurial stuff where they are focusing on the actual lessons and the actual story especially from the silicon valley and the saas stuff i think it's especially curation i mean like gary vaynerchuk of course has his own tiktok which is exclusively gary vaynerchuk so i think from the curation perspective it's it's really it's really nice but basically you answer the question why tiktok instead of instagram because the market on instagram is pretty much uh saturated so it makes it makes total sense i do want to give some some shout outs as well greg gregory wants to let us know that he's on time today so thank you for joining in on time and uh, also Marlon is giving us some uh, shoutouts. So TikTok's algorithm is uh, kind of being in favor of you there. And I guess to come back to the term you used, the uh, shadow powers, the people around that you don't know about around the big names. There was a actually quite recent incident or like opportunity that you yourself came into through the fellowship you're in and I read it in your newsletter that from a 30-minute chat with one of the producers of Justin Khan's podcast, you've kind of, from that 30-minute chat, kind of grew into working with them. So, could, could you tell us more about how that went and kind of that experience? Yeah, there are like probably 50 conversations that I've had where I've talked to people from the entrepreneurial world and I've said that I started with TikTok and I used to think that it would be a disadvantage because I did not have a YouTube channel or an Instagram page but it's more like people are interested in that because it is so unique because they get a lot of emails and a lot of DMs of people saying hey I have a big YouTube channel 
but the, the, the most unique email they get is i have a big tiktok channel I, and i would love to like promote you there and uh, what happened was i was just i just set up a random call with friend just to catch up because we were both on on deck and uh, he shared some very very interesting lessons from his entrepreneurial journey and how he got to start uh, working with justin khan and likewise i was doing the same with how i built my own tiktok and coincidentally they were thinking about coming up on tiktok they had just created an account it is still there the quest pods just they haven't started posting anything so it has like seven followers and they were thinking about whether or not they should invest their time on tiktok and so what i offered brent was you know what you have you've done these podcast episodes you do record videos why don't you send your videos to me i can like post those videos on my channel and see how it goes and i might have posted like five videos on my channel they have picked up more than 500k views so we thought we should work on tiktok but right now their priority is to do it on youtube so on an immediate scale i'm not working with them on tiktok but certainly when they do jump on the platform we'll be working together and i'll be certainly helping them grow that page and it has happened with me over and over again brent being just one example like something happened just today so there's this person called danny miranda and danny miranda podcast is the one of the most biggest upcoming podcasts out there like he interviewed gary v recently and i love his hustle like the way he reaches out to people the way he distributes his content it is awesome absolutely awesome and today i like just dm'd him on twitter and i said i love this tweet of yours and i just shared this example of anthony pomp talking about how he bro- how, how his brother was able to grow his twitter followers from almost negligible to 160k followers within a year and he replied back and he said yeah that's awesome and thank you and i said i would love to talk to you about how you distribute your content because he has a podcast as well and i was just wondering how he distributes his podcast because i want to grow mine and so i said i would love to like chat with you and get to know how you distribute your podcast and in return what i can do is i see that you have started a youtube channel it has 500 subscribers it doesn't get a lot of views but i have a tiktok channel that has got some number of subscribers so maybe i can post your videos on tiktok and see how it goes and he immediately re- replied back and he said yeah let's do it because i was thinking of jumping on tiktok and so again i'll be posting his videos on tiktok so that's a partnership as well what ended up happening was we'll be we'll probably record a podcast episode within the next two or three weeks and if i had planned about it i might have emailed him in maybe two months and then he would have said no who knows what he would have said but i went there offering him something instead of asking him to come up on the podcast and coincidentally he just wanted to jump on tiktok at that moment and he was also looking to like come up on some of the podcast shows and uh, like i guess we'll be entering a partnership soon in that way i have a question yep as advice from you to us because we're doing a podcast right now we're distributing the content on our personal challenge channels would you recommend us to make a separate social media channel which is just called social convos why would you and why would you not and then transforming the the few that you have of this podcast now with three people on it which is not really easy to edit in a tiktok format how would you take the best bits from this podcast and post them on tiktok 
I used to, so when I was like interviewing people, I used to be very sort of like, I did not think about like, I'll be posting this interview on TikTok and I should like, like set up my questions in a certain way. But recently I've started doing that. Like if I'm, if I'm asking a guest 15 questions, I know that there are two or three questions that will give, that will bring out answers that will, will, will be super interesting for social media. One example is I did this interview with Austin Alred. And uh, so he's a big advocate of Clubhouse. And Clubhouse is sort of a topic where Silicon Valley is divided. There are some people who say that it is a billion dollar company. And then there are some people who say that it is worthless because Twitter spaces is going to kill it. And I knew that if I asked this question from Austin, it would get, get me an interesting answer that I could post on social media. And Austin's sort of case was that Clubhouse will be a $400 billion company, which goes to the extreme of the bull case scenario. And when he posted it on a Twitter thread, that thread got like Austin retweeted that and that particular thread got 80,000 impressions. I have 500 followers on Twitter. A usual tweet of mine gets maybe 500 or 400 or 100 impressions. Just because I had structured my questions before the interview in a certain way, that would get, I knew that if that got shared, it would get a bunch of views. I was able to sort of like repurpose that content on the social media platform. Another question was, she had recently tweeted that Peloton is basically replacing religion in America. Another topic that people can be divided in because they'll be like, how is the product replacing the institution of religion? in this particular country. And he gave a very interesting answer on that. And that again was like super valuable for social media. So I would say that if you're trying to sort of build a social media channel where you want these pieces of content to go viral, there should be some questions that you know will get you interesting answers that you can post on social media. And the other thing is serendipity. Like you may be interviewing somebody who may speak for one hour and then there may be like five or two minute clips that are super, super valuable that you think your audience will like. As for posting it on a podcast channel or a personal channel, I would say do it on a personal channel. Like if I had to go back to March of 2020, I would build my own personal TikTok because that is more valuable. Like people don't love brands, they love people. And so, which is why like the Sampar has such a huge following who is the founder of Hustle or all these founders on Twitter, like when they share their lessons, those get more retweets and more likes because in our head, we are like, oh, this is David Perel saying it, not this particular brand behind which X amount of people hide. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I share that sentiment as well. And that's kind of uh, deliberately why I didn't really focus on creating social channels for us kind of a similar approach because in the end it's about the people and from the feedback we've gone gotten from the past few episodes i got from a few people it was really on the personality of the the host that that they really like and it wasn't really oh they like the convos but they, they really related right. to the host and how they kind of framed the conversations and the show in general so that's kind of my sentiment to that part on the, the branding part, yeah. But then again, I, I do see it as a platform to, for us to, you know, just have a home to, but it's a platform for multiple hosts. So maybe in the future, it's just a, a central location to meet up 
but it's carried by the personalities from the shows. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I have one more devil's advocate question. There's always this notion that if you share like nuggets of interviews, you get into what people like to call pseudo profound wisdom or pseudo profound yeah. BS. I know you're familiar with the term. I know right. that you very carefully select the content that you want to post because it, it, it gets easy to get in like nice nuggets of people that when you listen to the whole interview, you're like, no, that's, that's not the direction I want to go. So how, how do you look at the, the issue with people only reading the headlines and thinking like, okay, I got the knowledge and how do you pr protect yourself against of, or trying to avoid that people you're following gets like this aha moment constantly, but they actually don't go into depth into what you're actually sharing. Right. Yeah. I have a very different thought on this. It's more like most people would say that people who watch motivational content, just like they lie in the bed and they don't do anything. And then there are people who hustle and do things. I would say that there is this transition phase in some people. Like I used to watch, I used to be that person who used to watch a lot of Gary Vee and I didn't used to do anything. And uh, over time, like when you're watching all these videos and you're getting inspired by all these people, somewhere along the way, there are some ideas that are just attracted to you and you start doing stuff. To me, it was this idea of building a social media page. And I like, I started building social media pages way before I started my TikTok account. I had a few Instagram pages that I sold to other people in the US and the UK. And this was when I was back in India. And I built a Shopify store. All those things failed. But along the way, I learned a few things. But most importantly, I learned this lesson of failing at things after working on them for six months or 12 months every single day for two or three hours after I came from college or after I came from work, which is really important. Once you get into a habit of failing at stuff, like I know that tomorrow I can fail on my social media page or six months down the line, I can fail on Twitter and I would not be discouraged because that has happened over and over again. And so I know that if I fail on Twitter, I just pick up the next thing that I feel is cool and something that I, that I can do. But I guess that was really important in like trying a lot of stuff. And that happened firstly because I was watching all those motivational content and not doing anything. It wasn't like I, I was the person who was only getting motivated or I was the person who was only hustling. There was this transition phase, particularly in my life. Was there anything in particular that triggered this transition that you decided to, okay, now is the moment that, you know, snap, now it's the moment I'm going to start taking action. And what, what made you realize that? Yeah. So it was basically me taking this action of starting a steal my marketing TikTok page and a steal my marketing Instagram page, which no longer exists. But I basically started two pages and I was posting the same content on both on both of these platforms. And my idea was whichever takes off, I'll just start putting all my attention to it. Naturally, TikTok took off well earlier than Instagram did. And I saw I stopped posting on that page like completely changed the account's name and I don't know even where that is, but I started focusing totally on TikTok. And then the other thing was as I, I was getting good at TikTok and I knew that I was able to build a following, 
and gave me the confidence of starting a podcast and it's super super scary when you have never done it and then you start to figure out things like when i started the podcast about 6 months back i did not know anything about production i did a really really bad interviews in the first few episodes i did not know anything about the skill of interviewing people but once you're doing that you start to get you start to read stuff like how how does this person do it how is he trying to promote his stuff how is he asking questions once you start doing that once you are in that zone where you are with all these people who are doing podcasting you just start reading about it and the algorithms start recommending you content related to that and so over time i started improving and i'm still doing it like it my interviews are still not as good as i would like them to be but slowly slowly i'm adding it to like my production skills my interviewing skills how do i distribute the content that i'm producing and over time i'm also gaining a lot of confidence that i can figure this out like one example would be twitter two months back i had no idea how i can build a following on twitter right now i'm fairly confident that in the next 12 months i will build a decent following on twitter because i guess i have what it takes to build a following i know what a valuable content is and in what format the audience needs it which is important like if i share the same video that i produce on tiktok if i like if i take a video that i produced for tiktok and share it on youtube that will do terribly because it's not made for youtube like there are nuances to all these platforms you can't just share the same stuff in the same format on all these different platforms so you have to adapt to that platform and i guess with twitter i'm getting a lot of confidence that i know how to do it and i just have to execute it over and over again transitioning to other platforms um you've mentioned substack before and twitter so i, I want to narrow down on substack for a second because that's where you write your newsletter and do your writing and also made like i i saw on substack that you made like in the early days you had a uh, this tight schedule on the the nuggets you pick from every video and it was very you know tedious and very well organized to release <laughs> on a regular schedule so <laughs> can you talk a bit on how that helped you propel the growth and i guess in the context of of substack because many people don't know what substack is how that serves the bigger goal of growing your i guess your universe yeah substack is a great example because you can basically go back to the first like editions you can basically go to every single edition and see how i have changed the newsletter over time and it's sort of a live example of how you find your voice when i started substack my idea was maybe i should like grab a bunch of emails because all these people are following me so i started it on the easiest platform and i basically i had no content at the time and i thought maybe i should just summarize my tiktok videos and i did that in the first few episodes then i did other stuff and other stuff and other stuff and then i came across dicky bush and he was doing his sunday digest news uh, sunday snapshots newsletter and uh, sorry dicky died dicky's digest i'm confusing it with the other newsletter by his friend said ja so he used to do the dicky's digest newsletter and where he would share stuff that he was reading in a very particular format that was working really well for him like he had grown from 5 subscribers to 2000 subscribers within a year and so 
when I came across that content, I realized that, wow, I can do that in some ways because I'm also reading all this stuff, all these articles, I'm listening to all these podcasts, but I don't have a structure where I'm taking notes on those podcasts. And the thing that people fall into the, a trap of is when you're listening to all these different shows, you listen to them and you don't do anything. You don't take notes. You don't learn anything from them. It's almost like you're watching Netflix because it's like you get into this habit of binge listening to podcasts and you're getting motivated for two minutes and then nothing happens. And so I started taking, I, I, I built this like system where I was taking notes on every single podcast and then I would like tweet about them and then I would include that in the newsletter or maybe if I, if I wasn't tweeting about them, I would just a short summary that this was a great article on XYZ and then I would share it on in the newsletter. Along with that, I started sharing links to my podcast. So right now the newsletter is where everything comes together, where when I do release the newsletter, it's this is the latest episode of the podcast. This is the recent tweet thread that I did on one of my favorite episodes on the podcast. And maybe this is the best article that I've read this week. So it like it brings all the things that I'm reading or listening to in the past week together. And over time, I guess I can add more and more content to it. But at this point, it's more like a curated newsletter. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't come across Dickie Bush. But say I didn't have a newsletter and I came across Dickie Bush, maybe I would listen to that story and say, okay, he's doing good, but I don't have a newsletter. But since I had a newsletter, which was terrible, but I still had a newsletter. So I could just say, okay, Dickie's doing this. Maybe I should take that idea of his and apply to my newsletter. So even if you have a bad social media page, if you have a bad newsletter, if you had a really bad Twitter, if you are doing something, you can improvise on it, but you cannot improvise on things that you aren't even doing. So Diego, this is why I call my 20s my wasted years. <laughs> Elaborate on that a bit. So... I spent, especially the early 20s, I spent assimilating into Dutch culture. I decided if I'm studying in Europe, I have to figure out what the social structure is, how to get accepted, how to kind of integrate, but also assimilate into the culture. I'm not going fully into this. I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm pretty sure Abhishek knows about Salman Rushdie and, and the transition from the Indian culture to the, to the UK culture and how you try to find a fit and where you are like on a on a on a yeah an identity level and i think in some cases COVID helps out because you're like okay i can't go out i can't socialize so i'm just gonna start learning how to make money or how to build a network <laughs> or starting to learn stuff but for me my starting 20s like my 20th to my 25th year it was it was just i call it the wasted years there is a great song about it i might share it on my socials as well, just for the fun of it. And it's not that I, I, I mean, I studied people for five years. I just started human behavior, how networks work, how the informal and formal structures of groups and organizations work. And I call it the wasted years in a sense, because I didn't focus on building a net, a net network, finding ways to build up my skills that all came after that. So that's that's why I brought it up. I quickly want to jump into two things. I think I think I can help out a little. Of course, Abhishek, you have to know that this podcast is making sure that my next TikTok goes up tomorrow. That's that's just 
one thing that that you know I'll that, keep that you accountable. <laughs> you you can't keep me accountable on that, and you can even DM me like I didn't see the TikTok, I didn't see it. For Twitter, so the, the the biggest secret about Twitter, and it's a lot different because you already have kind of your tribe on TikTok. So if that tribe on TikTok, and and I know you're switching from TikTok, which is uh, still my marketing brand, to your personal account on Twitter, but there is still some leverage to be had that. If you, uh, I have to check your links, which you, what link you currently use on your TikTok to move people away. But if you use that link solely for saying like, follow me on Twitter as well, I think it's uh, Substack, but you can also change it to Twitter just to see how many of those 125 follow back. Because if only 1% follow back, follows back, it's even a thousand followers. So it's definitely worth to check that out. But Twitter right. is really tribe, 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 tribe based. So it's using the hashtags. I mean, I've gone viral just out of hashtags as well on Twitter. Like Gary Fee retweeted me once. That was like, whoa, okay, I've never seen that engagement oh, nice. in my life. And yeah, it's it's once, just once. Because <laughs> he had, I think is a new book or a new sneaker came out and I jumped on it and he retweeted it and my Twitter blew up and I was like, oh, this is cool. But but it's very tribe-based. So and it doesn't work, for instance, in countries like Suriname. Twitter just doesn't work here. I can talk <laughs> hours for that. But I think the second thing that people underestimate about, about TikTok is that TikTok was already huge before it became TikTok. I mean, you know about the company Duyin and about the app Duyin and that they bought, what is it called? Help me out here. ByteDance. Uh, ByteDance, yeah, but ByteDance bought uh, Musical.ly. So basically, TikTok was Duyen and ByteDance, the owner of Duyen, uh, bought Musical.ly and then they merged it together. So when when Musical.ly became TikTok and when Duyen became TikTok, it was already over 300 million users, active users which is a lot different compared to Snapchat where Facebook could just kill it off and decide like, okay, you might be still interesting for a niche because people want to be on that platform. But from a business perspective, we're just gonna build every feature that you have and we're gonna completely destroy you from there. And it's, it's funny, like you mentioned that people have said like, yeah, Twitter is actually going to ruin the party for TikTok. But Twitter has always been that social media platform that never got killed off, but again, never became the top three platform anymore. So I think the, the, the biggest value for TikTok right now is that it was already big, so they can shut it down. Facebook can. They tried, of course, with the ban from the US, the ban in India. They tried to yeah. politically kind of destroy it, but it's already too big to be destroyed. So... So the, the biggest question is like, what's the next step for TikTok? Is it just going to stay like this, uh, short videos, or are we going to see them make a push to become a, a more all-rounded platform as well? I think if you look at the steps that TikTok has taken, they're trying to be more creative focused than adding more features to it. And there has been this sort of wave where every single new feature that comes out gets added to every other social media, like stories. It started from Snapchat. Now it is on Twitter and LinkedIn. Like who watches LinkedIn stories? Like <laughs> nobody even watches 
Twitter stories. And so, and TikTok is just going the other way where it is focusing on how do we empower creators? And it started the payment, pro, like this payment program for all these creators. So similar to what you have on YouTube, if you create a, a bunch of content and you get a bunch of views, you get paid for your content. That similar thing is on TikTok as well. And at the same time, I was talking to Reggie. She, he's one of the uh, members of the Onday community. He has the biggest financial podcast in Singapore. It gets about 30,000 downloads per month. And I was talking to him about TikTok. And what he said was his, the TikTok communications team basically reached out to him a few weeks back and they said, you're producing this content on finance. We would like you to come up on the platform. So from the company perspective, they are really trying to diversify the kinds of content that people are creating. And what they offered to him was, we will push your content to more and more people, even if you don't have a lot of followers in the beginning. So as a creator, you are like, they're offering a new platform. They are giving me a built-in audience because the algorithm will push my content to a bunch of people. And since I will only be one of the few financial podcasts out there on TikTok, I will get the leverage of getting to the audience much faster. And I will probably one of the only 10 pages that shares that content. So I'll have a ton of audience. And so they are really focusing, going deep into what the creators need. I think that is a very long-term strategy because all these like Instagram at this point is super, super bulky. Like it is Snapchat plus Instagram plus YouTube plus Facebook. So it's, I guess, like we have seen this sort of aggregation in terms of features on social media. And the next wave of social media will be like, decoupl like decoupling that. Like Substacks is only newsletters. Clubhouse is only audio podcasts. TikTok is only short videos. Hmm. You mentioned something there the creator economy is kind of something becoming more prevalent in this global society there's the shift from you know mass production to creator focus to focusing on the individual and creating content tiktok making these moves and substack for newsletters do you see i guess where do you see this creator economy going on a broader spectrum of social media. Do you think like the giants like Facebook, Google will step up their game to focus on creators or the opposite? Cause they, they try, they try to kill off TikTok, didn't happen. So how do you see that dynamic going forward in the next few years? I think in the next few years, we'll see a bunch of platforms that will cater to a very specific niche. And we'll see a lot of like rise of SaaS applications and all these other like different cohort based courses that will support all these creators. And like my friend Dickie, he has this small cohort called Ship 3430. He has already taught more than, a th I guess, around 500 people where all these people write an essay every single day. And Dickie has 9,000 followers. On Deck is teaching probably a thousand people every single week on podcasting, on writing newsletters, on speaking publicly. Where do these people go? They will start creating a lot of content, which is why like I am subscribed to maybe 50 newsletters. I, I don't even have time to read them. Then I'm subscribed to 20, 30 podcasts. I'm subscribed to a hundred YouTube channels. And then I have this TikTok and all these things. There is just so much, so much content out there. And 
I, I forget what the term is, but there was this this thing where people are like, you will read articles like people are more unhealthy than ever before. And then you will read articles like there are more people going to the gym than ever before. And this is happening at the same time, like more and more people are unhealthy, but at the same time, more and more people are joining the gym. It's like the same thing in the creator economy where you have so much content, most of it is junk out there. So you have more and more junk than ever before. But also since so many people are creating content, there is so much valuable content out there. You won't even have time to go through all of them. This brings it back actually to the beginning where you said you're basically the curator of that content. And now we're coming full circle as in you subscribing to so many of these channels. So how do you as a curator, because now it's kind of in a sense like the curators even need a curator. So how do you get out of that, I guess, vicious cycle of, of finding the valuable content of consuming media and actually taking it in? Right. So in my case, like me being a curator, I need to create content. So I know that I have to watch specific YouTube channels that I know will give me valuable content that I can repurpose for my TikTok. With the Twitter, I, I recently started writing almost daily threads where I sort of summarize the lessons that I learned from a particular podcast. I know which are the podcasts that are extremely valuable in the entrepreneurship space. So I know that even if I'm listening to say two or three things that are just entertaining to me, like Joe Rogan, like I spend a lot of time listening to that, but I know that these are the specific shows apart from Joe Rogan that I need to listen to, to produce that content on Twitter. These are the specific newsletters that I know will give me the content that I know that I can apply in my podcast and maybe even share in my newsletter. So today, this morning, I, I subscribed to every or two and I was reading articles on how all these like super busy, super famous VCs organize their time and how they build their own network. There is this very cool article. I forget, I guess his name is Peter something is a VC and probably has like 30,000 followers on Twitter. And he builds a table. No, no, it's, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Peter yeah. feels too big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's too big. Yeah. To, uh, Peter boys. Yeah. So there's this article on the newsletter super organizers. Peter Boyce is a people person. It is a crazy good article. Like Peter Boyce, he has this air table where he enters the name of every person he has ever met. And with say he met Diego tomorrow, he would write, yeah, Diego does this podcast. This is what he can provide to other people due to his experience and his wisdom. And this is what Diego needs. So tomorrow, if he meets me and he says, hey, I know this person, Diego. He's good at podcasting and production of podcasts. Maybe you should meet him. And since you know a bunch of stuff about social media, maybe you can help him on social media and he can help you with production. So he's a super connector. Like he meets thousands of people every single month and he's building all these networks within those connections. So as a VC, what do you need most? You need people you know to succeed. He's just improving the, the, the probability of those people succeeding. And since like he's the main chain among all those thousands of connections, everybody knows him and he gets to tap into not only the network, but also like when somebody succeeds, when Diego succeeds, Peter reaches out to him and says, Hey, I want to invest in your company. Diego is like, yes, Peter, I'm grateful to you because you introduced me to all these other people who helped me succeed. It's, it's interesting, Diego. And uh, I think there was, I, I, 
there was this feature on LinkedIn that you could build up your relationships. And every time you connected, you was kind of a CRM model, but I couldn't find it when I was on LinkedIn the last time. I don't know, is, is it still there? I remember LinkedIn had a CRM model that you could oh. put in like with your connection when you met and what the last thing you spoke about. Because what, what does he, Abhishek, what does he use? Peter, what does Peter use? Does he use his own program? He, uses, he, a, he, he, uses, uh, he uses this software called Airtable. Airtable. Yeah, Air, okay. Airtable is basically kind of like just a database, like an Excel sheet, uh, but yeah. um, with some fancy filtering. And it's really, right. really easy to use. Kind of like yeah. uh, the Notion. Okay. Feel. So uh, it isn't yeah. anything like, it's not something like HubSpot or... Like, no, 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 no. It's not very technical. It's just drag okay, and drop yeah. interface that you can oh, use. Okay. You could basically yeah. use a basic Word document. It's just that Airtable is a bit more fancy. It's a little bit easier to use, but it's nothing special about Airtable. The great thing about Airtable, though, what I do like about it is its ability to integrate and to automate with other platforms. So if yeah, you right. want to go really ham with it, then you could automate it. But to the basic, it's yeah, yeah, it's it, to the most yeah. basic features. It comes down to a you know a, a CRM Excel sheet, kind of putting the names and just updating it on a regular basis, which I kind of started doing something in Notion like that. And uh, yes. yeah, I'm not gonna go into that, but it's uh, really nice to hear that. That's how you kind of kind of keep a tap on your relationship. I similar story. I heard. I listened to the podcast that Brent shared the interview that Justin Khan did with Mark Cuban and kind oh, of yeah. similar to that he got that there was this snippet at the end that he shared on LinkedIn how Mark Cuban knew about Justin Khan from in the early days he emailed him but didn't get a response oh, okay. now that he's big and he could re go back to his email database and see oh it was this guy so <laughs> kind of the seed was planted there, like, uh, and he could go back, oh, it's an earlier relation or someone who reached out earlier. And they could hit it off on that. It was a good way to, you know, connect. So, right. yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. Twitch was called Justin TV before, right? Oh, sorry, go again. Twitch, before Twitch yeah, became yeah. Twitch. Was it called Justin TV? Yep. Justin yeah, TV. Yeah, right. yeah. So there is a pretty strong connection between Justin and Mark, I think, because there were a lot of Dallas Maverick games being streamed on Justin TV back in the days. Okay. So so what I know, I don't remember a lot about Twitch and how it got started. I just remember that when I was studying in in, in Helsinki in Finland in 2009 after I came from Manchester I went to Helsinki and there was like no television access for sports and I was like in my room and like completely like losing my mind because I was totally disconnected from the NBA from basketball from any sport and Justin TV was like my lifeline it was like oh. you would go on Justin <laughs> TV and search for a live stream on a sporting event just to be able to watch sports in, in, in Finland. So it's it's really crazy. And I, the reason I mentioned this is because you've mentioned it already that 
you've invested a lot of time in finding out how platforms work. You started out with Instagram pages, and 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 I, there's there's a nugget that I really want people that are watching or rewatching or listening to this podcast to understand, because we like to idolize and and put our first business idea on a pedestal. And we kind of, it, it's really hard to let go of it because in our mind, the first business idea that pops up is going to be the million dollar idea. And I think that's really important to understand. Like even for something like Justin TV, which became Twitch, it only became like, like globally known when it was Twitch. We, a lot of people didn't know about it, Justin TV. While mm -hmm. as Justin TV on its, in its own right was one of the most successful live streaming platforms in, in like 10, 15 years ago. So I think that's really something I want to take away from this as well is saying like, don't, 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 you should be able to kill your darlings, not because you have a great idea and you want to go and it's going to be your first idea and you want to make it the million dollar idea. There, there is so much thought process, so much experience, so much skill that you learn throughout the years that even if it's something that's even slightly similar to what you started out with, it, it can be just the next move that takes you to the next level. Which brings me, of course, to, to my final question, which is not necessarily the end goal, but where do you want to take still my marketing? Where, where do you want to take it? Is it that you want to be part of like, a, 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 how do you call it? Shadow? Shadow power. Shadow, <laughs> shadow power that you want to be shadow power for like one of the the big personal brands in the world, do you want to end up having your own uh, media company? What's what's the what's the end goal for you when it comes to what direction would you like to go towards? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I guess like at some point, I would like Steve, my marketing podcast to be a place and along with that, the newsletter to be a place where people go to find extremely good lessons on entrepreneurship and more importantly, on networking with powerful people and the steps that you can use to do that. A lot of people, they fear like, how can I network with all these people when I don't have anything? And I, this is, I read this article this morning. There was there's this person called Shan Puri who does my first million podcast, which gets millions of downloads every single month. And he's the co-host of that podcast. And Shan Puri... Uh, was talking about a friend of his, uh, like in this newsletter called Super Organizers, and he was talking about a friend of his who is super, super helpful. So when Sean was starting his podcast, his friend knew that he's like trying to get into the podcasting world. He basically bought two books and sent it to Sean. And Sean remembered it, like his podcast today is one of the most successful podcasts out there. And he wrote about him in another newsletter. And so I was thinking like, what if I didn't have a TikTok account? What if I didn't have, like, if I, if I had zero followers, I would literally steal that idea of Sean and look, like, go to Twitter, look at what my heroes are doing. What, like, what, what are they, some of the famous entrepreneurs, what are they doing and how can I help them? Can I send them a book? Can I send them an article that will be insightful to them? Can I just say thank you for, like, that particular article that I read that I loved? Maybe I implemented parts of it. Like, somebody wrote a very good, thread on cold emails maybe i use that particular template to cold email somebody and then i get back to that person like i really like to thank you because i did this because of you and if you do that over and over again people start noticing you like you may not recognize it but other people are watching you that this person is hustling this person is 
taking steps to be successful and that is the most important part because the the, the general story that gets out in the media is person x met the billionaire y and he invested it is never so all these people have a relationship that goes on years and years where mark cuban might have met justin when he was super super young he might have seen that he's yeah he's hustling with justin tv that's not going anywhere and now yeah it's getting some traction and now they have pivoted to this particular idea like in the gaming niche and now it's really getting traction mark has seen that journey of like justin as a founder he has seen that he can hustle he can work hard but he's also smart to pivot and kill his darlings like you said and so then that happens and then in the media it's like yeah this is only a two year old company and it's valued at 500 million dollars and you are thinking in your mind like oh that's so early but no it's it's a 200 it's it's, it's a two year old company but maybe he has been working on that idea he has been failing on a bunch of ideas for maybe 5 years or 10 years so you don't get to like read the stories of the struggles of the people and the, the failures of these people you only get to read the stories when they are on top of the pedestal and they have a billion dollar valuation so i want this podcast to be a place where like people get to know the stories of people when they were nothing and also like what are the hacks that they used to go from like zero to at a place where they are today speaking of failures to close off this kind of sounds to end on a negative note but on the <laughs> uh, we're going to add a positive question after that don't worry <laughs> on that note your personal story your personal journey so far starting early 2020 with the tiktok and then moving to substack is there a favorite i guess that you'd consider kind of a failure production or newsletter that you wrote that you'd like to direct people to to relate and see that progress reflected to your current production yeah go to the first like edition of the newsletter and go to the latest one go to the first like podcast episode go to the latest one you will see all the difference that i won't even have to tell you what those differences are but you will see you will notice all these differences that are out there and if you need more time maybe go to my newsletter and my podcast 6 months down the line i can bet you they will be 2 or 3x better awesome and where awesome. can they find where can people find it we'll link this in the show notes later on but uh, if you could speak it out yeah Yep so for podcast again it's on all the major podcasting platforms Apple Google Spotify it's called Steam My Marketing the TikTok page is Steam My Marketing and the Substack is steammymarketing.substack.com Awesome Did you have still have a positive question Sean look <laughs> Yeah I I do want to you know it's it's I mean I basically ended it on a positive note already I I do I do also want to know because we haven't talked about the personal side so I tried to find you on LinkedIn and I found out that your name is quite common actually more common than I thought <laughs> So is. so I want to want to because we have a lot of people that are from Suriname I think that's that's where we're from so the most listeners yeah. that are listening now are from Suriname and uh, there's there's this I wouldn't say a stigma but we tend to like look within the borders of our country and like if we're the best in our country it's fine we're the best it's like woo okay and there unless you're like a, a top athlete 
that starts competing on a regional level, goes to the Caribbean championships, goes to the South American championships, goes globally to fully understand that if you're number one in your country, you're probably number two or maybe number eight in your region and maybe number 52 in the world or even 3,052 in the world. So what I do want to ask from you is like, why did you decide to go to the UK? And why, if, if, you, if people would ask you, going from your home country to another country, especially a European country or the US, why do you think that experience is important to do somewhere in your lifetime? Right, yeah. So coming to the UK was actually not my decision. I was working for an Indian software MNC and my job got transferred. But looking back, like if, if I was in India a year back and I knew that these things could happen in the UK, I would pay money to come here because just getting exposed to like, you will see this running theme in most of the successful entrepreneurs life where they have traveled the world early on in their journey. And in my particular like case, when I came to the UK in India, and again, it might be true for your country as well. There are not a lot of these clubs and events happening around entrepreneurship, especially if you're from small towns and coming to UK, like being really close to London, I was exposed to all these events and clubs. And there's this particular club called the weekend club that I'm a part of. I started attending those sessions every single Saturday where you would have a bunch of founders talking about the problems that they have and the things that they'll be working on. And all of them are working part-time on their projects, which is why it's called the weekend club. And I started participating in that. Over time, I started hosting the European sessions. And uh, like, once he started to connect with all these people, I realized that I'm a part of this club. All these people are doing something. Maybe I should do something. So like that was also a trigger with the social media page because like I can jump, I could jump on a call every Saturday and say, yeah, I have a social media page. It's not like I'm just looking for an idea. And so that happened once I had confidence with hosting people, I knew that I could also like do the podcast because it's more like once you get into this habit of speaking a little bit, you can also like talk to other people in the podcast. So that was one transition. Once I did that, I talked to Sachit and then I joined on deck. I'm learning a bunch of stuff from there, but it's not like I, I did not know all these things that I would do like a year back. But over time, once you like climb one ladder, you know what the next step is going to be. It is difficult for you and me to see three steps above, but you can see the next step. And so it's more like yeah, climbing one step at a time. Awesome. That Thanks for sharing that. On, yeah, uh, the building that momentum. With that being said, Abhishek, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this social convo. We try to keep it casual, but I think you... From the some of the comments you got you've dropped some pretty awesome nuggets for the listeners we'll see if you can snip a dose out for some short <laughs> tiktok video that you said uh, thanks diego this was awesome awesome yeah. and with that being thanks, said man. guys the episode will be released on saturdays on the podcasting platforms and you can follow abhishek on tiktok steal my marketing and check him out on Twitter as well. We'll put the links down below or in the description on in the post because he is his name is pretty common. So don't worry <laughs> yeah, about this it. This is actually my Twitter handle, like the name I have here. Yeah, don't worry about it. If you guys need to get connected, we'll sort it out. But with that being said, Sean Luke, roll us out. Yes. 
we're rolling out. I want to give two quick shout-outs. One to Marvin. Thank you for joining in. He likes to tell us interesting subject and thanks for the conversation. And Marlon thanks, is finally and Marlon is finally sold. He's downloading TikTok. <laughs> this episode was legendary. People, this was Social Convos. See you next Tuesday. Thanks for joining in. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.